What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. All right, welcome to the off-season wishlist episode of the Crude Oil Podcast for your 2022-2023 Edmonton Oilers. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm very, very excited to talk about everything we have to talk about today. I've been, I can't stop thinking about this is like where I find my niche with hockey, where I can't stop theory crafting about what Edmonton needs to do. I I love the off season, like armchair expert stuff. I also love the fact that I'm sitting six feet away from you right now. Instead of 6,000 kilometers away? No shit. No shit. Um, We've got a lot of hockey stuff to get into. Uh, but before we do, please uh, make sure to subscribe, listen, um, rate, like, and share. Whatever you guys can do, just help us get our, our voice out there because we're trying to make your voice a little bit louder. Um, we got some great feedback coming up later in the episode with some people uh, and their thoughts for their offseason uh, wish list or what they'd like to see the Edmonton Oilers do. So um, the more voices we get out there, I think we can get a a bigger consensus of what Oilers, uh, Oilers fans want to see. Um, did I forget anything, Sean? I don't think uh, so. I don't think so. I think you got it all there. Okay, I'm not going to forget now. The logo that you designed is fucking dynamite. Oh, I, I have to give you. that. I, I We got some great feedback on that too. So I know I'm kind of pumping my own tires here in the same thing. But um, quick PSA, if you have children in the room, maybe uh, now's a good time to let them, you know, Leave it, or or you can scroll ahead five five minutes. I need to talk about Pearson Airport, Sean. Go ahead, start ranting. What a fucking unorganized shit show that place is. Uh, like I understand this is a hockey podcast, but like Ryan Whitney brought this up and it made headlines. Um, this is also a hockey podcast that's two fucking days late because of this goddamn airport. Uh, we landed in Toronto with a two and a half hour layover to our next flight back home to Edmonton. And we got off the plane. I understand there's staff shortages everywhere. Like it's just delays, whatever. That's fine. Two and a half hours. So we bust our balls to the customs. And the only way I can explain this is like a grocery store with a serpentine lineup for the counters, like the next available one. So we stand outside this grocery store and we wait for us to be allowed into the building. And now when you're allowed into the building, every single row where the food is or aisle, um, that would be where a scanner is to print off your declaration. And now uh, when you get there, they point to what free scanner you have to go. We were in aisle two. However, the lineup to the checkout counters or the customs agents goes through all the way through the serpentine lineup and then up and down every single goddamn aisle. So we print out our checkout, our uh, declaration, and we go to the back of the line. However, the people who are at the last aisle before the checkout are jumping in fucking line. So we have people consistently butting us ahead of things. There's no organization. They're not doing anything to control that. And then we spend an hour and a half getting through that. And they make us go through fucking security again. Like anybody who's been on a flight since September of 2001 knows that you're not allowed to bring like anything more than a hundred milliliters onto uh, or past security, right? However, those same people also know that once you pass security, you can go to duty free and say, buy a bottle of Scott for your dad. So when we did that in London, under the guys that 
we're not going to have to go through security again. So when we get to Toronto, you have to check that. You have to pull it out, put it in the little bag and the, the receipt that you bought from uh, Duty Free. And sure as shit, it gets pulled. So. Oh, my God. Just no fucking census at all. Um, we ended up missing our flight. There was 25 or 30 other people that were supposed to be home in Edmonton. Uh, the option were to fly, take two different flights, wind up in Halifax, and then fly all the way back to Edmonton, and we lost a day, or we could come back, well, today's Tuesday, so today. Like, just a fucking gong show. Um, but that's why we're a couple days late. I do apologize. Uh, if you're going there, please bring all of the patience that you've ever built up in your entire life, because you're gonna need it. Let's talk about some hockey. Holy crap. <laughs> well, I'm glad you finally got that off your chest. And hopefully some other people can sympathize with you. Maybe you can uh, talk to Whitney about it. Yeah, yeah. And then get him on the show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, we have uh, we have a lot to get through, but we have some... Well, I guess it's relatively breaking news um, from, from different items that have happened in the hockey world, considering the guy that's standing behind the uh, Oilers bench for the next three years. Yeah, Jay Woodcroft's back. I think it was inevitable. Um, I, I know a few fans were a little worried that it was taking so long. I think it's just the typical Oilers PTSD where you never really know what's going to happen with Edmonton, whether or not they're going to be like, oh, we're fine, we'll sign uh, uh, Mike Babcock instead. <laughs> like, And Woodcroft can be his assistant coach or something. He's got to learn shit like that. But I'm, I think it was the right decision. Um, from what I understand... From what I was reading, I think one of the big sticking points was Woodcroft wants a lot more say on the roster and like who's called up and things like that. Because more of that is cap management and then he has to kind of do with what he has. But And I feel that's because he has a lot of faith in his young guys. Like if you look at a Broberg or Niemann-Linen coming up next year or even Holloway, things of that nature. So I think that's probably the big sticking point of why it took as long as it did. But I think we're all happy it happened. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's about time too because he he he's shown what he can do with like you look at a Ryan McLeod uh, and how much faith that he put in him. Um, I also think that it says a lot too when you see a guy like Tyler Benson who had a hot minute in the NHL with Woodcroft as his coach and then he gets sent down. Like I think Woodcroft knows what he's getting, especially from that farm team. And he's not going to waste time with trying to make things work um, up up at the big club. So I, I'm very excited to see him. Um, Manson got extended as well, right? Yeah, I think they're kind of stuck together like Lou because that was one of his big sticking points when he came up from Bakersfield in the first place is that Manson was coming with him. Yeah. So I'm curious if they'll make any other changes to the coaching roster because I think there's still a few uh, few people hanging around from the old from the old uh, regime, yes, the old <laughs> regime, and I'm, I will forever ask this question: How long will Dustin Schwartz last? Will he be here for the rest of our lives? Who knows? Yeah. What kind of dirt does he have on the entire organization that he's still there? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you would think that maybe there'll be a change, but uh, we'll see. We'll here's see. here's my prediction: They fire Schwartz. Smith retires. Smith is the new goalie coach. Oh, that's. It's bold like, prediction. Where are you going with this? But yeah, no, that's that's uh, definitely a, a possibility. I think. I don't, you think you'd jump into coaching right away? Maybe they'll pay him two point three million dollars, just like his contract. It's a new way of uh, circumventing the cap. Oh, 
that could work. That could work. Uh, other big news, Kuzmenko uh, signs with the Canucks. Uh, he kind of did the the tour, uh, trying to. Um, it's like when you know those those uh, college athletes get, you know, familiarized with all those different colleges where they want to go. It kind of. I don't love it when players have never played an NHL game and then they they can kind of attract all the the attention and you know you have teams flirting with them trying to sell them stuff. So, I mean. I personally, I get the fact that uh, uh, he had success in Russia, but I, I personally, I'm not too worried about it. I know that you have some other thoughts specifically, like when it comes to uh, the salary for what he... Well, you know. yeah, like the one thing that I think is a good thing is that for at least his first year, he's limited to an entry-level contract, right? So it's maximum $925,000. So that's what he signed with the Canucks. But so that makes it so you can't just like tempt these free agents with like, say, say he like originally was drafted when he was 18 by San Jose or something. Mm. And then when he was like 20 years old thinking about coming over, what if like Edmonton gave him a call and was like, hey, if you wait until you're 26, we'll give you like eight by eight or something like that. He's like, "Ooh, okay, well, maybe I'll wait. So but regardless, he has to come and deal with that first year of his contract regardless. And people will see how he performs and whether or not that's good for him is up to him. So, But I think there was two main reasons. I know a lot of people are disappointed because it could have been similar to Kane. Like, obviously not, probably wouldn't be the same impact, but you get an asset for free and right. for cheap on top of that. But the big things that probably drew him to Vancouver is, like, yes, he could have played with McDavid and or Dreisaitl in Edmonton. But in Vancouver, he does get to play with one of like Pedersen or Horvat, so it's like it's a downgrade, obviously. But they're still good players. Plus, I think he's been promised like first power play time because yeah, there's no way he's getting too. on the power play in Edmonton. No. So I think I think five five on five, he probably could put more points up on Edmonton if they would have. But and then it could have gave us a little bit of a. I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll just say like a parachute for if Kane decides not to sign with us or something like that. Mm -hmm. So something to save us. Um, but ultimately he didn't sign with us, so it is what it is. He yeah. could end up just like uh, Vadim Shipyshev with Vegas where he plays like five NHL games and then says fuck this and goes back to Russia. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing I heard too is that uh, one of the big things he was impressed was with the, the length of travel that people drove to go meet him. Uh, I think they met in Michigan or something. Bruce Boudreaux drove like six hours. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Jeez. If that wasn't like a, a PR stunt, like I don't know what is. You, you're telling me you can't find a flight for an NHL coach? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's true. But there is also one other thing I wanted to mention about that is uh, I can't pronounce his first name, but Pod Colson. Oh, um, yeah. Vancouver. They yeah. played together for four years Oh, in Russia or three years, the past three years. So. Okay, they, they had that. the teammate connection, and Russians tend to not do overly well in Edmonton. <laughs> yak Yak City, bitch. Um, well, you look at any of it. You look at like Shlepyshev or that's true. who was the the one guy who never really did anything? Mikhanov. Think everybody oh, yeah. had big plans for him, and nothing ever happened of it. Well, didn't Konovalov just leave too? Yeah, like, that's true. We'll we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'm jumping ahead. Oh, that's okay. But yeah, yeah. So well, I guess. The other thing we, we uh, want to note, too, is we're recording this while the uh, NHL awards are being handed out. Did you see they just announced the Hart Trophy? I did not. Uh, Matthews. Yeah, not surprised. As soon, oh. as, as, soon as he won the Lindsay, I wasn't, uh, um, I wasn't shocked. 
let Toronto have this when they so desperately need something else other than um, we have the best player on the earth. I guess this just fuels the fire, but... So, just for everybody listening who doesn't know yet, yeah, here are the trophies they announced. There's five trophies they announced today. Vesna was Shishterkin. No surprise there. No. Uh, Norris was Makar. Fucking I, called it. I think that one was up for debate with the Yossi one. I yeah. looked at the... They released the ballots already. Yeah. How close? And Yossi actually had more first place votes. Oh. But he was left off of a ballot, too. Not even in the top five. By, what? By one of the voters. So, I'd like to see who that was, first of all. Yeah. But they each had... what. It, I don't... The power just went out. You're shitting me. No. Ah, oh, fuck. You're on a laptop, though, right? Are we still recording? Maybe. <laughs> Holy shit, we're still recording. What the fuck was I just saying? Okay, um... It was Makar and Yossi were the top two, right? They yeah. Had, yeah. Makar had 1,631 points overall from his votes. And Yossi was 1605 or 06, so a 25-point difference. Uh, so, like, two, if two votes would have been first for um, Yossi instead of Makar, Yossi would have won. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not shocked. but I'm, I'm happy. I want Makar to win. I think he's proven in these playoffs that he is, in fact, the best. And yeah. I think he plays better defense than, um, than Yossi does. So, ultimately, I think... Their offense is fairly close, but Makar's defense is much better than Yossi's, and that's the difference maker in that. See, the um, only real trophy that I really cared about uh, heading into this was the Calder. Yeah, uh, well, and Mort Sider won the Calder, which I'm very so. happy about. Rightfully so. I can just watch his uh, hit highlights from his first year. It's reminding me a lot of uh, Cronwall. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, he's going to be a danger for a long, long time. I think I saw he got like 170 out of about 190 first place votes. Oh, wow. So I think everybody can see how good he's going to be. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, the last two ones that uh, Austin Matthews has won is the Hart Trophy and the Ted Lindsay Trophy, which one of those I'm surprised by. The Lindsay? Yes. Yeah. I honestly, maybe it was Ted Lindsay voter fatigue from the players even, where they just were like, we can't vote McDavid again. Yeah. It's like, but I mean, Matthews did have a great year. He had like 60 goals in 72 games or something. Like, He's a it's hard to player. argue with yeah. what he did. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not surprised and I'm a little bit disappointed, I guess, but at least it's hard to look at McDavid's season. And having like what 125 points or whatever, and coming away with just like the Art Ross Trophy and none of the as voted on by player trophies, it just seems weird. Yeah. Um. All right, let's dive into it. We got a lot of meat and potatoes to get into. We're kind of gonna break this up into two segments. We're gonna go through all of the uh, kind of free agents uh, that the Oilers have coming up this off season. Uh, we'll go through what our thoughts are and what they what we think they should do um we'll go through some of the uh the rumored trade bait players i don't know how the hell you want to uh, talk about or how how you want to name that but and then also the potential uh retirements that uh, seem to be rumored around everywhere um after that we'll jump into kind of what we want to see in terms of our off-season wish list whether it be uh trades or uh just signings from different uh, free agents because there's a lot floating around, a lot of different uh, rumors, uh, the Bobrovsky stuff being the most uh, recent. Um, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. But um, we will. Yeah. 
So let's dive straight into it. Sean made this fantastic <laughs> spreadsheet to go through. Um, you want to just go straight off the hop? Yeah, we'll just go one by one. So I'll start with the first one, and that's Yamamoto. Okay. Do you so, want to do all the RFAs first? Yeah, we'll do the RFAs first um, sure. and start with the big three. Um, Yamamoto, I think, like, yes, Edmonton should absolutely sign him. I don't think he's um, – there's no threat of an offer sheet mm-hmm. on him. I just don't think he's quite that caliber of player. I think he's is he's not at his ceiling per se – but I think what he produced this past season, and in the playoffs especially, I think that's the expectation for Yamamoto going forward. Like, if he performs lesser than that, you'll be disappointed more so. Great. But I think what we got this season is what, over the next five years or so, what I would like to see out of his career. So you're not even thinking bridge deal. You're thinking long term, hey? Um, I'd like to go longer term, but mm-hmm. it all depends on like what he wants, I guess. Personally, I think... <clears throat> we can only bridge people for so long. Right. So we don't really want... And like, I don't think Yamamoto's going to keep improving, improving, improving to the point where it's like Nurse, where we bridge him three times and then have to sign him to this monster contract. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think if I were to predict Yamamoto's contract, I'd probably say like a three-year, like $3 million contract. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty reasonable. Like could three be up per to th- year, right? Yeah, it yeah. could be like three and a half even. Yeah. Um, but anything over four, I'd be disappointed in Holland for signing that contract. I agree. Considering- and that's four million, not four years. I'd be fine with four years. But three million AAV would be around where I'm happy. Yep. And considering our potential cap crunch, I think that'd be good. Yeah. I um, I would, I would cap it at two years. Uh, just looking at the contracts on the books for the next two years. Um, the only big names right now that are coming off the books are Cassian and, and Fogel. Um, and that kind of gives that little bridge to figure out what kind of Yamamoto you're going to have moving forward. I would give him, yeah, probably in that $3 million range. I don't know if I'd go over three and a half. I don't, I think three and a half is even high. Um, but I mean, I mean he did put up 20 goals this year. I guess. Yeah. But like, I do agree that a bridge contract could be okay. Because mm-hmm. he's put up twenty goals once, yeah. So that's why I'm feeling more of the three than the three and a half range. But a bridge might be good to see if he can like do that again, because he has been grossly inconsistent throughout his career. Yeah, where he has stretches like when he first came into the NHL in that first year, and then he has stretches where he doesn't score for forty games. Very so. true. All right, Ryan McLeod, I'll let you take this one to start. Oh man. I love Ryan McLeod. I think I want him signed. I, I almost want to flirt with signing him a long-term right now. How much would you give him long-term, though? Because he's going to want to yeah. get paid for what he thinks he can do, not well, what he's I, done. I maybe maybe long-term. Long yeah, maybe long-term. I'm thinking four or five years as opposed to like a quick bridge deal. Uh, I think you're looking between the 3 and $4 million range. That might be really high, but I think it might be a contract you're looking at three years down the road and being like, oh shit, we got a steal and like a Leon Dreisaitl kind of thing. I um, do agree with the fact that like, I'd like to sign him to like a lower one for a longer term. Mm-hmm. But if I were him, I wouldn't even like think about that. If I were McLeod, I would take like a one year, $2 million contract. And honestly, that might even be better for Edmonton like next year, for example, because they can't sign these guys all to, three to five million and expect to stay under the cap going yeah. into next year. 
Yeah, so, that's true too. That would be my expectation is like a bridge deal for McLeod, especially. He's pr- had the least amount of games in the NHL to prove what he can do. I think he's extremely valuable, and I think if I were him, I'd bet on myself. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You got to wonder too with his relationship with. Um, I nearly said Todd McClellan. Jeez. <laughs> with, uh, yeah, with Jay Woodcroft, you got to wonder if um, he'd stick around just to kind of be under his wing for a little bit. But yeah, uh, he, I would give him zero uh, issues for betting on himself. Um, but yeah, that moves it to probably the most controversial player right now. <laughs> uh, yes, a pulley RV. So what do you do? This is. A difficult one. Like, obviously, we should re-sign him. Mm-hmm. I think, like, not re-signing him is stupid. Yeah. If we were to just, like, not qualify him, let him walk to free agency. And honestly, I could see Pugliarvi being a target for, uh, like, an offer sheet around, like, four and a half million or something. Like, I could see a team taking a stab at him at that amount. Um, it's just a matter of who has the picks. Maybe, like, an Ottawa or something like that. Yeah. Um, like Pugliarvi would fit their timeline and what they probably need on their roster. Um, but ultimately, I would like to see a similar contract to Yamamoto. Personally, I would think it would be less for two reasons. One, he hasn't scored 20 goals yet. And two, he doesn't kill penalties. Mm-hmm. And like he doesn't really play on the power play either, so his special teams isn't really there. So I think he's less valuable than Yamamoto is. Personally, I yeah. know a lot of people like his size, but he doesn't use his size. <laughs> so it's hard to be like, yeah, he's big. He's a big body. It's like, so what? If he just stands there, it doesn't matter. If he like skates around everybody, never hits anybody, then who cares how big you are? He still seems to get knocked off the puck easily sometimes. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do about Pugliarvi. I don't think you give up on him right now. I think you try to give him... Um, a little bit of rope but I don't think you can sign him to a long-term contract I don't think I think the it kind of helps out that he's an RFA but I think what he signs for or what you offer him really plays into how the rest of the lineup shakes out I think that's true like one of the things Edmonton needs to be careful though of is they don't have a lot of right wingers no they have Yamamoto they have Pulley RV mm-hmm. they have Cassian Archibald's a UFA. We'll get to him. Yeah. Um, and then Hyman can play on the right side, though mm-hmm. he prefers the left. Personally, I would put him there just because of our left wing depth. But um, I have an idea for that a little bit later. Okay. So. So that's something they need to be careful of too. Like we can't just like throw him, throw him away, or even trade him, and not have a plan for who else is going to play on that right side. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, the Tyler Benson experiment. Are we done with that? Uh, I just don't see him getting extended. I would qualify him mm-hmm. and sign him to a two-way deal. Yeah? So, because, yeah, I think he might be in, like, the Marodi tier where he's kind of just a perpetual AHLer. It's yeah. the classic tweener where you're not good enough to play in the NHL, but you're too good for the AHL kind of thing. Yeah, I, I just don't even know. He's getting up there in age. and <sighs> I will say when he came in at the beginning of the year, he did have some good games where he came and brought up physically and had a lot of energy. Yeah. So, like, I could see him as an okay 13th forward to come in and insert some energy when they need it. Yeah. Um, but whether or not they see it, like you said, Woodcroft didn't really give him much time once he was here. He kind of sent him right back down. 
Yeah. Um, so maybe he just doesn't have a place on this team anymore. And I'd like to see him get a shot. And mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be with Edmonton at this point in his career. Yeah. Uh, and I think the next guy we're going to move into, uh, Brendan Perlini, like, I think they're kind of interchangeable. I think Benson brings a lot more physicality to his game. Um, I would take Perlini over Benson. I would um, think so. Like, you mentioned Benson brings more physicality, but it's more like an Archibald physicality because he doesn't have a lot of size, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, like, Perlini has the size, and he also has a wicked shot. So mm-hmm. he could put up 10 goals if he played a full year playing on the fourth line just because he gets random shots that just so happen to go in throughout the year. Um, and at the end of the day, though, neither one of them can play defense. Neither one of them kill penalties. Um, and I'm a strong proponent that your bottom six needs to be able to kill penalties. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and Holland's even mentioned that too. Like, he, that's the bottom six that he tends to build his team around. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. So that kind of takes care of the RFAs. Um, we might as well just mention all the, the updates here. Um, Berglund, of course, signing with... A red, this is where I screw up all the names. He signed in the Swedish Hockey League, so he's gone. Uh, he's That's back home for him, hey? Yeah, he's yeah. Swedish, so he's... He's gone, which is unfortunate because he's one of our few like right defenseman prospects outside of him and like DeHarnay. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of potentially. I know it'll leave a hole in Bakersfield, but mm-hmm. it leaves a potential call-up hole on our right side. Yeah. Because I heard a lot of whispers last year that they were like interested in Berglund, and I just think he he probably got passed on the depth charts though by like obviously Broberg and Emeline and moving up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's still Sam Rukov, but those guys are all lefties. Whether or not they could play the right side, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I I'm not heartbroken over that loss, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it's the same with uh, Safe and signing with HC Sparta. Yeah, um, that kind of takes care of our RFAs that we have. No, I just want to say with yeah. uh, Ostap Safin, we're safe in or how we pronounce know. it. Yeah, um, I still remember. This is really stupid, but. I was playing like, uh, I think it was like NHL 12 or something <laughs> like that. And I went through a draft and he was in it. So I drafted him uh-huh. and he turned into like a 98 overall player. That's unreal. And I was like, then Edmonton drafted him. I was like, oh shit, this guy's sick. And then, yeah, he's not in real life. He's not that good. Oh, that, I, oh it's too funny when you get those like oddballs that turn out to be all-stars. Yeah. Uh Okay, so that takes care of the RFAs. We'll move into the UFAs. Absolutely the biggest uh, question mark, I would say, with this team is Evander Kane. Um, Do you want to go on this? Well, I think there's obviously interest in Kane resigning here from both parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just comes down to, first of all, that contract. Yes. That debacle that's going on with the nhl right now Mm -hmm. how it's not even being arbitrated until after july 1st which is an absolute joke it's fucking ridiculous so san jose might get fucked over edmonton is getting fucked over like and whoever else might be interested in kane is getting fucked over because you're gonna miss out on other free agents because you're hoping to sign kane or something like that and then they're gonna what reinstate his contract and then san jose is gonna be like oh you gotta give us a first round pick for his contract now yeah be like no fuck that it's it's ridiculous because like you, you kind of get fleeced either way, especially if Edmonton's like, okay, we need to prepare to move on um, in the case that we don't have a, the ability to, you know, kind of get whatever discount that apparently is rumored that he'd take to come back and play in Edmonton. But, how, how like, if it doesn't get settled to the middle of July, how do you leave $7 million in your payroll to pay a player that you don't know? Well, Edmonton, like, barely has the payroll to pay him that much. Yeah, either, so. well, exactly. I think... Like, there was one thing, 
I think it was Gregor who was talking about it. But essentially, if this contract is arbitrated and it is like voided, mm-hmm. but he gets some of his money, mm-hmm. then I believe he's limited to the maximum of what he is making on that contract that got voided. So if he gets three million out of that contract, then for with Edmonton he can only sign for four million. Right. So then it nets to a total of seven. Seven. Yeah. So yeah. I think that would be the ideal situation. Right. Where he still gets his money, so he's happy. But Edmonton gets the cap like relief because they can sign him to a lower AAV, and I think everybody would be happy in that situation. Assuming yeah. San Jose's like whatever, we'll pay to get rid of this guy. We don't really care. Yeah. So like, but realistically i don't know if it's going to be that i think it's either going to be completely voided or it's going to be reinstated and there's not really much wiggle room between those two yeah i i would love to uh keep him i i say it's a 70 70 chance he's not here next year well like what would you sign him for like let's not talk about years let's just talk about aav yeah like i i the oilers can't afford to go over seven yeah, can't I wouldn't afford to go over seven and a half. Like I wouldn't go over six, honestly, just because of our like six would be my max because we just don't have the money. This is a hot take. I think if you sign Kane to anything over five and a half, which it's gonna have to be, you have to really consider the potential of moving out Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Is it weird that I actually thought about that too? Okay. And I know everybody listening may think that is blasphemy. Yeah. But I think you have to consider it con- like based off of his performance in the past couple years. Mind you, in these playoffs, yep. he was injured. Yes, that's true. So yep. I don't want to like ride on him about his playoff performance. Because he still did pretty good. Yeah, he still... Like, timely, timely goals, but... Yeah. So, like, but it's just a matter of what we need. The only thing is, if you did trade Nuge, for example, it opens up a huge hole on your penalty kill. Yep. And that would mean either we'd need to find a fourth-line center who's a good penalty killer, or we would have to put Dreisaitl there. Yeah, I, I've i got an answer for that. It's the same player that I mentioned before. Who's that? <laughs> uh, like, for the Oilers to sign in the offseason. We'll get to it. We'll get okay, to it. Uh, okay. this is, this is a I big was like, Evander Kane kills penalties? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. No, the same guy that was mentioned if Puliyarvi leaves. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Josh Archibald, the next guy. I um, would not sign him. I know. I I don't give a shit about his uh, decision. I guess he's got an exemption, so he doesn't. we don't have to worry about that no, anymore. No, that's mood at this point. Um, but the inconsistency, he's taking up a bottom six um, role. He's kind of... I, I just don't see where he fits in the Oilers on a regular day-to-day lineup. Like, I'm okay with him being our fourth-line right wing or whatever if we have to in a pinch. But I think it's a mix of... I don't think Archibald wants to come back Yeah, because of everything that went on. Yeah. And to be quite honest with you, I've seen the advanced stats, and they make Archibald look fucking terrible. Yep. And in this case, I almost want to agree with them. Like, he might look like he's out there doing his best and trying his hardest, but... One thing you have to keep in mind, most of the time anyways, for a forward, if they're hitting a lot, that tends to mean that they don't have possession of the puck a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm just ready to move on from him. So the next three that are listed, uh, I think we can relatively rattle them off pretty quickly. Uh, Broussard, I'm okay with just... 
he it, was it was, nothing it was a flyer Edmonton. yeah yeah like he brought nothing I remember I was reading somebody during the playoffs during the Colorado series that we they need to bring Broussard in. When he played that one game, he was a difference maker. I was like, "Who are you, first of all? <laughs> and like, what are you smoking? Where can yeah. I buy some?" Yeah, because like yeah. that shit's crazy. Yeah, Colton Sevier. Sevier, I would be okay with as like a fourteenth forward or something like that. I was that. gonna say even just to keep in in Baco, like yeah. I think he'd be great. But yeah, if he's okay with that. coming back, I would be like, yeah, I could sign him to like league min and be yeah. okay with that, even a two way contract. Kyle Turris, the guy that we brought in for playoff experience and you, veteran leadership. You and... re-sign him for his shootout specialty, <laughs> and that's all you need. We, whenever you think there's gonna be a shootout, we no, we do five defensemen. 13 forwards, keep Turris in the back for the shootout just in case. Keep him in your pocket. Do you remember the goalie experiment back in like 2004, 2005 with Mike Morrison where he like literally sat on the bench for the Oilers and like. Oh, yeah, because he was the like shootout specialist the, yeah. or whatever. And he would just come in net to like every single shootout. Yeah. That's I what I feel that. like Kyle Turris is, but for. For the, the offensive side of things. Yeah, unfortunately, I think his career is pretty, pretty over. So he's probably <laughs> done. And I was yeah. just thinking for some, I was like, where could who would even sign him to give him a chance in the roster? Because he needs to play like top six. Yeah, I was like Arizona, but I was like, no, he doesn't <laughs> like Arizona. He can't go there. Uh, yeah, very true. Um, probably the guy I am so like hell bent on the Oilers signing, uh, Brett Kulak. I'm one hundred percent on board with that. Oh my god, I love him. It's. There, he's just such a solid defenseman. I really, really enjoyed him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was playing with um, Barry. And, honestly, the two of them together were quite good. Mm. I was surprised by how effective they were together, especially because Barry's not exactly the most effective defensive player, but he did really bring in the playoffs, I will say. yeah, um, He was playing on another level above where he usually can. And I'm... I'm hopeful that that's just because Kulak brought that out in him, and that's kind of what Kulak brings as a player. Yeah, yeah. But you you always need those guys to uh, kind of elevate the others. I, I I don't know what the contract would look like for him, but I'd be I'd be willing to move people to keep Kulak. Well, Kulak, his contract that just ended was I believe two point one million AAV. So I would assume he would make. That or a slight raise on that. I honestly was thinking like around three and a half, four. I wouldn't go that far. No, no. He like he had a like couple very good high end though, like very high end. Maybe the very high end on yeah. a very short term contract, but like if we're doing like let's say three years, mm. I would do like three by three at most. Yeah, like you got to keep in mind, like yes, he was effective. Yes, he did step into Nurse's role for five games this season and was serviceable in that role mm-hmm. but i'm not overpaying like a potentially replacement level defenseman just because he had a like one good showing this year like there's yeah. a reason why he's hopped from team to team to team yeah i think at one point he was on calgary and he was the first time i ever heard his name was when he was there yeah he so, definitely was speaking of calgary the cowboy chris russell if I was Chris Russell, I think it might be time to retire, honestly. <laughs> but with that being said, if he wants to sign league minimum to be our eighth defenseman or something, I'd be okay with that. It's ironic. I was going to say almost the exact same thing. You get him at league minimum, or I don't think Chris Russell plays anywhere else. 
No, at this point in his career, unless maybe Calgary's interested in uh, like a very depth defenseman, but like, like he, he he's an Alberta guy too, right? Like well, he's that's, home. Yeah, that's why I was leaning toward maybe Calgary because it's also oh, in I Alberta. See yeah, but <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> like I would hope that like Broberg and Niemalainen are ahead of him in the depth charts, assuming we were to sign him, mm-hmm. and everybody like Woodcroft. And Holland agree with that and don't try to force Russell into the lineup when we don't need him to be. Yeah. Because, like, we need to de- get these young guys developed and get them NHL experience. Because I'm so tired of that adage where it's like, oh, you only want one rookie on your defense. So I was like, well, if we do that, we're going to, like, just have a million rookies all the time because yeah. nobody's ever going to crack the lineup and we're going to keep trading all our young defensemen. Yeah. Like, I, well, speaking of uh, uh, that, Cooper Marodi. He's. I would re-sign him just as a, like on a two-way deal, which like in a high AHL salary, just because like he's a good AHL player. He makes Bakersfield good. He's never gonna crack the lineup. See, I I don't know. I like him in the lineup. I mean, it's hard to look at his like one point in one game kind of stats and get any kind of a sense of what he's gonna get. I think he's he's been such a tenured Oiler for a long time. The Oilers need to sit down with him. And say, hey, we want you here. Um, but I think they have to be cognizant if they can't give him everyday numbers or at least a chance to crack the lineup, you got to let him go. Well, like, the thing is, I just don't think he will make the roster if we were to sign him because our center depth is McDavid, Drysidle, Nuge, McLeod, Ryan. Yeah. So, like, if there's any injuries to the, our centers, for example, we would more likely do 11 and 7 than we would call it Marodi. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and especially like you've seen when they do have injuries too, and they still want to keep Ryan, they'll just flip him off to the wing and well, exactly. Keep him like in they'll there, put so. Ryan on the right wing or something like that. So, like, I if I were Marodi, I would leave because yeah. there's no opportunity in Edmonton for him. Yeah, like I I hate to say it, and because like I like him, I want to listen to his music. <laughs> like it's it's great to have that on the team. Why not? But and. I think it's just for his own career. If he wants to potentially make the NHL, he probably needs to leave. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, So that cleans up everything other than the signings that have occurred. Uh, Brad Malone re-signing. Baco's got their captain back for two years. I like the signing there. I mean, I think it's nobody was surprised. I saw a lot of people on Twitter after they signed that. They're like, "Why the fuck would you resign Malone? Yeah. This is a garbage signing." I was just like, "He's Bakersfield's captain. Yeah, it's a two-way deal, so he's getting reduced salary in the AHL. So like, I don't see Calm what the down. problem is. Yeah, you can bury that contract if you're so worried about that. He's gonna play ninety percent of the season there, anyways. If he's our thirteenth forward or our first call up or something like that on forward, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Maybe the biggest news of everything that's happened in terms of players right now, Miko Koskinen has decided to part ways with the Edmonton Oilers and head over to Switzerland to play. I I mean, we all knew this was coming. I, I'm surprised we haven't brought it up in the podcast that we've well, had. Well, I think we kept forgetting about yeah, it yeah. because we were dealing with other news and such. And they announced, they kind of, or didn't announce it, but, like, I guess H.C. Logano announced, they're like, hey, yeah, Koskinen's signing with us in the middle of their series with Calgary. Yeah. So everyone's just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So maybe that might have been the reason why during the playoffs, like, they were less wanting to go to Koskinen because they're like, why would we play this guy who's just leaving? Yeah. Like, 
personally, I think that was bad PR from Koskinen's front that that shouldn't have got leaked out in the first place that he had already apparently signed a contract. But I, I don't know if like all of these players just assume that if they go and talk a different language that people aren't going to figure out what they're saying to like all those Pulyarvi interviews. Like what the fuck? Stuff like, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I liked I liked Koskinen when he was good. I didn't like him when he was bad. And I mean, I was. <laughs> Talk about a guy who ate more bullets for this team than anybody else in the past five years. If there's but one thing I do have is respect for Koskinen. That's, yeah, that's what I was getting For to. everything he's done for this team. It's not his fault that somebody decided to throw a blank check at him. And no. Like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll sign that. And no, like, wait, shit. people are going to shit on me for the next three years? Oh, fuck, I, was, didn't, I shouldn't have signed this. Yeah. I. It, it was what it was with him. Um I always thought he was he was a big goalie. I don't think he was a great goalie. I thought he was just big. But uh, all the best to him. Um, we still have a lot of stuff to, to go through, so we'll keep moving on. Uh, do want to talk about the possibilities of some uh, retirements. We'll get to that before we get into the trade bait because I think that'll work nicely into our uh, offseason oh, wishes. Sure. Um, so the yeah. big one is... Well, the more likely of the two yeah. is there's been rumors that Mike Smith is interested in potentially retiring. Mm-hmm. And I'm not opposed to that if he were to decide to, assuming we can fill in that role. Like, I just think this season, especially with his injuries at the beginning of the year, or beginning of the year, and apparently he was injured too during that Colorado series and during the playoffs he had something that was apparently bothering him. I mean, shocker. Well, like, really, it's not that crazy to think that a 40 year old goalie is having injury problems like i'm sure he gets out of bed sometimes exactly like losing his mind yeah so if i were him i would retire and then maybe look into that uh that suggestion i had earlier <laughs> future goalie coach mike smith teach everybody to handle oh, the puck fuck i'd take anyone over dustin schwartz right oh, now exactly so i think if i were a betting man i would say smith does retire mm-hmm. there has to be a reason they set up his contract the way they did and just an FYI to anybody, there will not be any cap penalties for Edmonton if he were to retire. Mm-hmm. So generally, if they're Edmonton signs, sorry, not Edmonton, if somebody signs a over 35 player to like a multi-year contract, then if they retire, then that cap gets, uh, it doesn't leave the books if they retire. Mm-hmm. However, one of the stipulations is if the pay goes down, I believe. So his salary is higher than his AV next year. So if he retires, it won't count against the cap. So that's the big caveat. So it's the whole point of it was to get rid of those back diving contracts. Yeah. So for example, if you were to sign a 36 year old player to a four year contract, you pay him 10 million in the first year and then 1 million in the next three years or something to bring out the average to like four point something. Mm-hmm. So to avoid that, people they put in this rule. Yep. So and that's clearly why they structured the contract this way, or else they wouldn't have done it like this. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was uh, so. that's a that's a great point to bring up. Uh, I see him. I don't see him with the Oilers next year. Uh, I think that does bring the Oilers into extreme dire straits when it comes to the goaltending position, though. I mean, I think Skinner is going to be our backup next year. One thing to keep in mind about Skinner is he's waiver eligible next year. Yeah. No, I just meant the. The fact that we do have Skinner, but we have Olivier Rodriguez 
the next guy in line and nothing else. Well, like for obviously now. they need to find a way to get a starter, whether that's, yeah, that's signing I mean. a guy in free agency or trade. Yeah. And then having Skinner as the backup and Rodriguez as the third guy, I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get Rodriguez starter time in Bakersfield. Absolutely. To start developing him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple other guys down there too. Like I know that was one thing we didn't mention was Konovalov. He signed with uh, a KHL team. Right. So he is gone, which is kind of depressing considering he was really good in the KHL. And there was a lot of high hopes for him coming over here, but I don't think his game translated particularly well. So it it is what it is. We have a lot of goaltending prospects, so it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, but who is that guy? Is it like Fanti or something? I had it brought up. I was just trying to scroll down and see it. So I've heard he has been pretty good. Ryan Fanti. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of buzz around him right now. So... Edmonton does have the goalie prospects to fill that void for Konovalov leaving. So I think it's fine. I'd like Rodrigue and Fanti, I guess, to split starts in Bakersfield next year. Yeah. I think I'd be okay with that. And worst case, we could probably pick up a, an Anton Forsberg on waivers or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, that moves us to Duncan Keith. Um, I don't think he's going to retire. It'd be nice to get that five-plus off the books. I just I don't see him retiring the other thing that kind of pisses me off about that is that that recap that they're supposed to get that was it 3.4 million dollars yeah, that the, the league just credit. arbitrarily decided that the oilers don't get like the league is really good at arbitrarily fucking edmonton over it's in the goddamn seat like cba i nearly said cpa um but like how it just pisses me off i don't get well, it like i understand why they're saying no because they don't want to set the precedent that people start doing this. And like, right. But you have to think that this trade only happened to a degree because Holland was aware of this. That's what I mean. And be like, okay, yeah, we want this. So, mm-hmm. like, and then you'll retire and then we'll have all this big crap credit and all this shit. So, like, I, I think it's, like, obviously not a non-zero chance that he retires. Mm-hmm. One of the big factors you have to consider is his actual salary next year is one and a half million. Mm-hmm. So, it's like... They could just, similar to the whole Mike Smith whatever right. situation I was talking about, they could just make him a, a consultant or a player development coach for a year at $1.5 million or something like that. Like, obviously, I'm sure there's cap circumvention rules around this shit, but, yeah. like, it's something to consider. I'd, yeah. love, I'd love him if he was, like, our, not our D coach, but, like, something along that line mm-hmm. the assistant d coach to manson or something like yeah that. or in player development or something yeah yeah but i'm sure he would rather go back to chicago or something and do that but yeah oscar clefbaum i uh he's never coming back he's not coming back i like i put it on this list because i think it was more so there's been rumors that edmonton might try to trade away his contract to like arizona or something yeah yeah get that Which off the books i think I think that would be a good idea. Having LTIR isn't as useful as people think it is. So No. I think also it, it adds an element of closure. We can finally just like... Move on? Yeah. Cause well, I, I, I want to hear Arizona Coyotes legend uh, Oscar <laughs> Clefbaum too. That'd be fun. Oh my goodness. It's like so that... Detroit Red Wings legend Mike Bandano. <laughs> Detroit Red Wings legend Daniel Alfredson. <laughs> All right. Moving into the trade bait stuff um this will tie into our off-season stuff we're already 50 minutes into this podcast so uh we'll try and 
uh, be as concise as we can because, I mean, the options here are endless. Uh, but uh, I, there's four guys that we've kind of brought up as uh, trade bait. Uh, we'll start with Tyson Berry. I'd like to see Barry gone. Yeah. It's nothing against Barry, but if he's third pairing, getting paid what he gets paid, when Bouchard can bring the same thing on the power play, for example, Barry doesn't kill penalties. I just think he isn't what we need right now. Mm-hmm. And I think he has value. I, I think so too. I think uh, we got a good reminder in playoffs. I See, that's the thing is like, I don't know what you'd get back. But a lot of these players that we do bring up, for with the exception of the last one that we'll get into, I think a lot of it just has to do with calf space. And so... Well, that's I'd, the thing. It's nothing against these players. Maybe a little bit on the second one. I'm not a huge fan of the way he's played, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, their their contracts just don't fit what we need right now. They're right. kind of a little balloon contracts that were kind of made in a panic, I think, mm-hmm. at the time. Especially this Barry one. I think when Larson was leaving, we got CC and they're like, okay, well, now what? I think we would have been happy with CC and Larson. Like, I think that would have been a good decor if we would have got both of them. Yeah. But ultimately, like, <clears throat> Bouchard has come and shown that he can do it. Yeah. He barely had any power play time compared to Barry, and he still put up 45 points or whatever. So I think, I think he can come in and step into that role and be more than serviceable. Yeah. I, I think you need to really look at moving someone off the D. Um, Barry would be my number one. This might be a hot take, but I would consider number two moving in terms of if you can't make any other changes and you can't find a fit for Barry, I would consider trading CC. Um, Who else on the right side is there, though, huh? if you do that? Who else plays on the right side if you trade CC? But you need to create room to bring up from your farm team, right? Yeah, but we don't have guys on our farm team who are on the right side. But you also have a guy who's probably make or probably at his highest trade value that he's ever been. Like I don't making, disagree. Yeah, but it's I I personally think that that is a terrible idea. CC's way too important to this team. So if you can't trade Barry and you can't get rid of Duncan Keith, what do you do? Well, you have to stick with them for another year. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm not trading good players ah. just because we can't get rid of our bad players. And then we get exposed again every year, like in playoffs. Well, still, like, I don't think that helps the team at all. I think it just, like, defense as whole, we're trading our, probably our best offensive defenseman. And we're like, okay, this is improving our team. Like, no, it's doing the complete opposite. I think for what, for his contract, Bear, or CC brings so much value yeah, for no. what he's getting paid. And I'm saying this being a, a huge CC fan, I'm just throwing this out there because the Oilers have to do something on defense. And... If they can't get rid of Barry and you don't want to go the CC route, you maybe have to look at letting go of Kulak. Well, but, like, like I'd, I just... I'd be more comfortable letting go of Kulak than Bear, or CC because okay. we have left side guys to come up. Like Broberg can come in, Neem Lining can come in, yeah. Sam Marukov maybe takes a big step in the offseason, he can come in. Yeah. And on our right side, we just don't have the players to come up mm. to fill that void. Yeah. I know it's not a perfect situation, but. I'd rather not like have a top four right side defenseman of Barry Bouchard again and have like Broberg on the third pairing on that yeah. right side. I just think having CC there really stabilizes things. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I'm I know just, where you're coming from. Yeah. But I personally just think that that's a terrible idea. No, I, I just, they have to do something. And yeah. if they can't I do get agree rid of, they have to do something. Yeah. 
if you could get a bucket of pucks for Barry, fine. Well, the the thing is, they can get value for Barry. It won't. It's not like these next ones, which right. will be a contract dump. You probably can get something in return for Barry that's valuable to your team. Yeah, I mean, we could go for days and days on this one. Um, Zach Cassian, number two. So the big thing with Cassian is obviously we want to trade him, but he lacks what Barry does, and that is value. Mm-hmm. Cassian doesn't really bring much outside of saying that he can occasionally play on McDavid's wing. So and like his occasional physicality that he tends to never bring. So personally, I would love to trade Cassian for like a sixth round pick or something like that to a young team who maybe needs a enforcer style player or something like that like in ottawa with all their young guys especially because they don't have a mark borvietsky anymore over there they might need uh, a big bald man on their team to protect them all (laughs) yeah um but from what i've been reading a lot of people don't think he has value so that brings up the possibility of a buyout right because cassian is the most likely player to get bought out on the team yep and the big thing with that buyout is it opens up quite a bit of space, especially in the first year that they buy him out. So his, if they were to buy him out, <laughs> his contract would only be six hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars next year. Yeah, which is what like two point five million dollars of cap space from that next year. Yeah, um, and then it's one point eight seven million the next year, and then nine hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars the next two years. The <laughs> issue is, I fucking hate dead cap space. I was going to say, then you're just dealing with, like, Sekra's off the books after next year, and then you're just replacing him with even more money of dead cap room. Well, that's the thing, is, like, you're replacing the dead cap space, and I fucking hate it, because it's just a player that's not on your team. You're paying, like, you hate a guy so much, you're paying for him to not be on your team. Yeah. And we have three to four years on the McDavid dry saddle contracts. And that is the length of this buyout. It's not like he has one year left. It'll be done in two years. And then we'll have all this cap space in year three and four of that right. situation. So personally, I don't think it's worth it. I'd rather like number one, trade him. Mm-hmm. No salary coming back the other way. That's the perfect situation. Unless like maybe we can get a fourth liner who kills penalties, even if he's similar contract or something like that. The other thing, that I keep looking at, I, and I'm with you on this one. Um, uh, a lot of people looking at like, oh, they can't get rid of Cassian. Look at like how much McDavid gels around him, and like Cassian's not an idiot. Like, there's a good chance that this guy's just soaking up the time that he's having. Like all those those pictures and the videos of him like being like the glue guy in the room. Like this is a guy who's soaking up the time that he has in the NHL. It it may be coming to an end for him, and maybe he knows that. I or, think it, it absolutely is. Like, I could see a team taking a flyer on wanting a tough guy, like I said, on their team to protect their young guys. But will they want that in two years? Like, yeah. I don't know if I want th- three years from now Cassian on my team. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. So, ultimately, I think in a perfect world he would get traded. I think there's a high likelihood he'll get bought out. Yeah. Just because if they can't find a suitor, like, what can you do? But I think... Like I mentioned, I think Ottawa would be the perfect team. Even like in L.A. and Anaheim or something like that, they have all these young guys that Cassian has experience playing with skilled players. So mm-hmm. he can play with them and play that Semenko role or something for a, the last couple of years of his contract here. Yeah. Warren Fogle. So this has nothing to do with Fogle himself. I think he's 
been a pretty serviceable player for Edmonton. He's the most snake-bitten man I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I think that extension was way too aggressive from Tim Holland <laughs> when we traded for him. I'm not a fan of extending a guy before we really know what he's bringing. I hate those. Imagine yeah. if it was a one-year deal and then we'd be like debating whether or not we want to re-sign him and we would to like a $1 million contract or something right now. So I think Fogel similarly... Somewhere between Barry and Cassian, he has value. Mm-hmm. So I think you can get something for him. But Fogel needs to learn how to kill penalties or something so he can actually get into the game. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what you wind up doing with him. I'm with you. Like I, I just don't see a fit with him, especially in the bottom six, especially if we want to st- start seeing these young guys moving up and uh, um, making their way onto the team, playing regular minutes. So I... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we wind up doing. But, uh, yeah, that kind of brings us up to the last guy that's kind of trade bait. It's going to be tough to um, um, really wrap our heads around what everything can or what can happen. But, uh, yes, Apuliyarvi sitting in on the trade bait line. I mean, it kind of depends on how everything else shakes out with this team and where we uh, end up, you know. I don't know what you do with him. I really don't. Well, the big thing with Pulley and why I have him in this trade bait section is for any trades, if we're going to talk about those, he's probably the main piece in all of them. That and our first round pick for any significant trades for a roster player that we really want on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a perfect world, I'd love to resign him to a reasonable contract and he comes in and puts up 20 to 25 goals is good defensively has the same similar stats as he had this year like his defensive stats were fantastic this year you can't argue with the details but he just seems like he's never gelled with the team and stuff we've already talked about Pugliarvi so I don't want to dig too much into it but like I I mentioned he's the biggest trade chip we have outside of our first round pick yeah Um, so I think the best place from here is just to to flip over into our wish list uh, I'm just going to jump in because we were talking about a replacement or I was talking about a replacement with Pugliarvi. If you can't sign him and you're looking at probably a salary equivalent player that you're going to need to replace, I think one guy that the Oilers could really take a look and take a run at would be Vinny Trocek. Um, he's, he plays center. He, he flips over to the right wing. He's a right-hand shot. Um, he, can, he can fit the role on your penalty kill. He puts up lots of goals. Um, it's just when you look at his his cap hit, you're gonna probably pay a little bit more than you would for a uh, a Puli Yarvi to keep him. It's just I don't know. I would love to see him in an Oilers jersey. Well, I think the big thing with Trocheck is he's currently on a little bit of a inflated contract that he signed with um, Florida. So mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily if that contract is reasonable to expect him to re-sign for something like that yeah i'd be because looking he's somewhere. at what four and a half or something like that sorry uh, i'm just opening it right now no he's uh he's a little bit higher his cap hit is 4.7 4.75 yeah. yeah so yeah i think he's probably not making that again he'd be around probably a four million dollar player so like you said you would pay more but i do think he brings more to the team so i never actually thought too much about him and he gives us that like potential right winger too mm-hmm. to add more depth like why why can't we have both of them yeah exactly yeah <laughs> wouldn't that be nice yeah but yeah i could see that um it's just a matter because i'm pretty sure from what i'm aware of there's a lot of uh a lot of interest in him 
Oh, yeah. So I think there might be a bit of a bidding war. Mm-hmm. And with Pugliarvi, he's an RFA, so we have control. Yeah. So I think it might be more reasonable to stick with that, but I could see them definitely doing that. Um, on my wish list, I have on the right side, and this is prefacing trading Barry for somebody or okay. something. Okay. Uh, Josh Manson. Okay. I know that... It's a little bit of a switch in like the type of player you get, though. Well, that's perfectly fine. I think yeah. he's the exact type of player that we need. Um, especially on that right side, because our young left guys outside of Nima line, and they're more offensive, good skating defensemen. And I think Manson complements that really well. So, like, say for example, hypothetically, Keith retires, we trade Barry. Then we have Nurcici, we have Kulak Bouchard, and then we have Broberg Manson, or some combination of those players. Yeah. Like, I think that is an exponentially better decor than what we had this year. So. It's just a matter of him proving in the NHL or sorry in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Yeah, how good of a player he can be and how effective he is in the playoffs. Um, I think that might be driving up his price a little bit. <laughs> we have the the draw of his dad, but is and like he's a he's say, a hometown boy, isn't he? Is he from here? I I don't know. I can't remember. But with that being said, sometimes that's just as much of a deterrent as it is a draw. Yeah. So it could impact that pretty negatively. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. I think that would be a good fit here. The only thing is, like, does it create a weird thing with your dad? Well, that's the thing, having him be your D coach. But as long as... I don't think Dave Manson is the type of guy who gives people special treatment. Oh, I definitely don't either. I just wonder... I wonder more so about the other players. But, I I mean, they're professionals. They should be able to get over that, you'd think. I mean, I'm sure growing up he played for his dad when he was in like minor hockey and stuff when his dad was filling in for coach and everything like that yeah so it's i think it would be a good idea it's the same thing with like the talks about bringing into brusque or something like that that would be nice like there's a lot of rumors about that that have been swirling for the past two years but Mm -hmm. people are like does he want to come play in his hometown same with carter hart out of philly yeah so um yeah who else is on your wish list uh honestly I don't have a ton of, of uh, specifics. Like, just looking at some of the things, I want to stay away from a lot of the big names that are out there. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of players who are overvalued and overpaid this, uh, this um, offseason. Uh, I mean, where do you fit them in the lineup, right? Um, who are we talking about here? I'm just thinking, like, anyone right now. You, you I... There's so much stuff that has to happen in the couple weeks leading up to free agency that I just don't know whether or not the Oilers uh, can really evaluate what holes or what people they want to bring in. Yeah. That's why Vinny Trocek's like the big one for me in terms of uh, things that you'd like to see. Um, and then the other big hole that I, I think they have to address is goaltending. Now, I know there's a couple different options that are out there. I've heard uh, Darcy Kemper's name floated around. I know, yeah. Sean just like meh, grimaced uh, a little bit. Yeah, um, and then there's uh, Mark Andre Fleury, but I don't think he'd come here. No, I think he made that pretty clear that he's not going to come here. And then uh, the big news, which has kind of been floated around, is Florida's almost willing to retain half the salary for Bobrovsky. Um, I do not want to touch Bobrovsky with a ten foot pole. I have me no interest neither. in that. Yeah, like even a half retained—that's five million for another four years. We're gonna have another potential Koskinen in our hands. His numbers, well, they have improved this year, 
are still not great. Yeah. And personally, for what I believe is in like an NHL or sorry, a contending level goaltender that we need. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying he has to be Shosturk and Vasilevsky, but he needs to be able to put up like a nine twenty in the playoffs minimum. Yeah. So I would be I'd be interested to see the Oilers maybe go because the way I see it is I see Skinner right now as the front runner for the uh, starting position, but not this year. I think long-term he's the guy. I think he needs a, a year of playing solid backup minutes. Um, well, who are they going to get for a year, though? That's what I mean. Who's going to be so able to come in? Just looking at the – if you can find a way to maybe look at a Jack Campbell, bring him in. I know he had a terrible um, back end, but like – He's going to want to sign, like, a five-year deal, though. He's got to, like, as Campbell, he's looking to probably cash in right now for sure. Yeah. Like, and somebody's going to overpay him, like, five, six million, I guarantee it. Whether it's Toronto or somebody else, Toronto might be desperate and realize that there's no better goalies on the market. But I'm pro Gibson. I have been for years and years and years. I've wanted him here. Um. But the only caveat with Gibson is, well, there's two caveats, is that he struggled a bit the past few years. Yeah. And I personally think that part of that is Anaheim's started rebuilding. Yep. So they've been slowly trading out all their defensemen. Like, they lost Shea Theodore. They lost uh, Hampus Lindholm. They lost Brandon Montour. They just lost Josh Manson. And they've just, like, slowly been turning over and turning over. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason. Um, they've been switching coaches in front of him, so there's different defensive systems that he hasn't been able to get used to. Um, Dallas Eakins is your coach, so that's never good. <laughs> Ultimately, I'd like to get him, but the other caveat that I wanted to mention is I'm afraid of what it'll take to get him to come here, like in terms of we're going to have to give up a first. What I've been, what I would predict if we were to make that trade would be a first Barry and Pugliarvi. And yep. maybe even like something else on their end to swap a shitty contract, Cassian for somebody else or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot to get him out of Anaheim. Um, any other players on your wish list before we jump um, to the. There was one other comments. player on my wish list. Sure. Who is a unrestricted free agent, I think would fit great on the fourth line. Okay. And that's Andrew Cogliano. Interesting. He's looked really good, honestly, as a, like a fourth-line player. He kills penalties, all that. He can play wing. He can play center. And who knows? Maybe he wants to come back if yeah, he's I, interested in that. And he goes back to like the holes you were mentioning in the team before. Like He, he would slot into that t- like bottom six quite nicely. Yeah, I think so. He's very versatile and can do a lot of things. And I think he would come fairly cheap, probably less than two. As long as he's not taking three penalties a game like he did last night. What a rarity, though. I mean, when you're losing 6-2, to two, it's yeah. hard not to get frustrated and take penalties. The The other thing about him, is, and especially knowing his career too, is you're getting a reliable workhorse. Like, Oh, exactly. Um, he comes and comes to the rink every day and plays the same consistent game and mm-hmm. plays hard. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a lesser hymen to a degree. Yeah. So the other thing that I just wanted to get your thoughts before we jump in to... Um, where we're going in the holy crap get your thoughts together greg uh the just the comments i'm trying to do two things at once and my brain's like short circuiting 
Uh, do we see Dylan Holloway in the Oilers lineup next year? Every prediction and projection I've thought of has him there. Yeah. Whether it's second, first, or third line left wing. I think he fits there quite well. Yep. And that's why I would put Hyman on the right. So, like, I think ideally in this moment, my top nine would be some combination of McDavid, Kane, Hyman, Nuge, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, McLeod, Pugliarvi, and Holloway. And however you want to organize those nine players, that would be kind of what I would project the roster to be And that's we were to re-sign everybody. And that's how I, I saw it too. That's kind of the reason I brought up the Ryan Nugent Hopkins thing, um, because I think there has to be an odd man out, depending on who you're going to get. Uh, I think I think the Oilers would be doing him a disservice to be playing like third line minutes, fourth line minutes, like, he needs to he needs to get that shot, get that immediate boost with playing with good players. I think the one thing with Nuge though is he still gets a lot of minutes because even if sorry, he's playing I mean, on the third I'm line. I'm talking about Hallway. Oh, sorry. I yeah, was like yeah, I was talking yeah, about yeah. Nuge. It's like he's playing third line minutes, yeah, no, no. but he's on first pe- power play and penalty kill. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> but sorry, keep going on your No, no, no. I was just if the Oilers bring up Hallway, I think it's a disservice to stick him on the third line and play with uh Oh, play with Ryan McLeod and Jesse Puliarvi. How's that a disservice? Huh? How is that a disservice to play with McLeod and Pugliarvi on the third line? You're playing with two, like, NHLers who have next to no experience. So? I just... They could put McLeod in the top six and put Nuge on the third line center, like I just mentioned. No, that and that's fine. Like I, I don't think that's a disservice. Let's get a kid line going. Why not? Uh, yeah. Work for the Rangers. Oh, yeah. I, I just mean... How many times do we see that the the flip with the third line? It's gonna be like a Derek Ryan playing on there, and then a Warren Fogle that you have to keep in mind as well. Like, well, I think ideally those guys would be on our fourth line next year. Yeah, yeah. I just I would love to see him playing meaningful minutes uh, right off the hop. I think a line two would be perfect for him. If he played a full season, yeah, in Bakersfield last year, I would say that they could play him in the top six next year. But I don't think that's a good idea to inject a rookie onto the into the top six. So if you're playing with McDavid, then you're going to be playing against the best defenseman on the other team every night. And, and, and Drysaddle, like you mentioned, if you're playing with Drysaddle, it could be the same thing. You're still playing against like the top four defensemen. But if you're on the third line, you tend to play against the bottom pair defensemen. Yeah. Hypothetically, anyway. Yeah, and I guess it depends where, um, like, who all signs and where you're going to play him. Like, I'm not saying you even have to, you know, get him past his limited games. Yeah. Um, but I think you got to start him with an opportunity su- to succeed because, I mean, I-, I get it. The Oilers have been historically terrible for throwing guys top line minutes as soon as they get into the NHL, but you're going to play with Connor McDavid or you're going to play with a Leon Draisaitl like are you doing a disservice to Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl by playing Holloway on their lines for the first 6 games of the year I would say no that's fair but yeah this, it, well, it's, it, this Holloway I think it depends on how he does an exhibition that's if true he can yeah, show yeah, that yeah that's he's a good ready. point cuz you got to keep in mind McLeod played exhibition last year and played like shit yeah. so he got sent back to the AHL and refined his game for like 20 games and then came back up yep so like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but after years of uh, bad playing time minutes and stuff for all these players, they're young guys, I'm very hesitant to put a guy into a position like that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, 
uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll wind up seeing. There's so many uh, things that could happen um, that could get us there. All right, uh, we have a couple minutes here. This has been the longest podcast to date. Look at us go. I know, we just keep talking, talking, talking. And we're in this super hot fucking room. I'm just sweating right now. All right. It's important, but we'll still get through it. We'll try not to rip through everything. Um, We asked you to send us your off-season wish lists and predictions. Uh, We got a couple responses, so we'll start with Alms. This is probably the one I agree with the most. He says, keep Yamamoto and Pugliarvi. No need either one not to be on the roster next season at the expense of anyone at the expense of anyone unless the trade is a legitimate upgrade and a long-term solution. Well, that comes back to like Pugliarvi, for example, being a trade piece in getting a number one goalie yeah. or a top four defenseman or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I I would agree with that. Um, I don't think Yamamoto is going to get traded personally. No, nope. I don't think he's even really being considered to be traded. But I don't know. I think, like I mentioned, their right side is weak without both of them. So it's kind of hard. I'd more prefer to trade Borgo than trade one of those guys, honestly. Right. Because yeah. I don't want to mess with the roster. Well, and speaking of uh, uh, of young guys and creating room for them, too, uh, our next comment comes from Nick saying uh, that Carter Savoy makes the gems and lights it up. I think it's a little early for that. I'm um, not going to pencil Carter Savoy into the lineup, but it'd be pretty cool if he shows up and gets some games this year. I think he could get a nine-game yeah. audition. Right. But right. I don't see him making the roster this year. Yeah, I would like to see him get some time, especially like the exhibition. The Oilers have finally got a farm team that could be really exciting to Well, watch. the fact that we're talking about these guys instead of like, oh, Jujar Kerr is coming up. Right. Can't wait for this. Right. Like, we actually have guys who have top six upside potentially. Yeah. Which is rare for our forward core oh, anyway. And uh, even our defensemen. We have defensemen like Broberg, Samarukov, Nimalainen. DeHarnay, like these guys who can come in and potentially make uh, an impact. And I haven't mentioned Kesselring, but I wanted to mention him too. Yeah. I keep forgetting about him. Yeah, dynamite. Uh, the other thing too, in a couple of years, Tyler Tulio. <laughs> I'm getting excited. All right. Uh, we'll move to our uh, our next comment from Brad. He said, trade for Gibson, re-sign Kane, or trade for Anderson, and sign Nick Delorier. I'm down for the sign Nick Delorier. Yes. I think yeah. like that's similar to the Cogliano thing where mm-hmm. he'd be a great fit on like the fourth line. Um if I'm assuming based off of that spelling that it's Josh Anderson. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Of Montreal, and I am a strong proponent of saying fuck that. Okay, thank you. I don't yeah. <laughs> I do not want Josh Anderson's contract on this team. When they signed that, it seemed like a lot. He's injury prone. Like, yes, he plays physical and can score when he's healthy, but I just don't think he's what this team needs. It's just going to be an anchor, to be perfectly honest. And we're going to have to give up, like, significant assets for him. Make, maybe right. if it was they were trying to cap dump him yeah. and we get, like, something extra, we give him Cassian and they give us a second-round pick, too, with it. I'd be like, sure. Like, we're upgrading Cassian for, like, $2 million. But, yeah, yeah well, I'm not trading for him unless it's a pretty even cap trade across the board. To be fair, his... Uh, um comment was re-sign Kane or trade for Anderson so uh, well, I thought I, these I, were two two separate things or it's trade for Gibson re-sign Kane or trade for Anderson and sign Nick Delorier so yeah, those so three, three separate <laughs> three yeah. separate ideas there so yes trade for Gibson I'd be down to sign Nick Delorier um and I'd rather re-sign Kane than trade for Anderson 10 times out of 10 yeah I and then just the last comment I think a first rounder gets traded at the draft in the Gibson deal I think you're gonna need your first plus Oh, I said, like, a first 
plus Barry plus a significant prospect yeah. or Jesse Pugliarvi. You gotta remember the Oilers are picking like twenty eighth at least. It's true. It's rare when you think Oilers first round pick, you think like, oh, that's a like a lottery right. pick. But yeah. no, not anymore, folks. Yep. Um. So okay, we'll move on. Thanks, Brad. Tim writes in says Jari, Kane, JP, Yamo, and Kulak signings trade Barry for Jari. Would Pittsburgh take that? And would you be interested in an injury-prone goalie and semi-inconsistent goalie in Tristan Jari? I think if you can get Tristan Jari in and you can split duties with Skinner, I, I mean that'd be it. okay. I Honestly, would not hate that. This this comment feels to me that it stinks of uh, Edmonton Oil Kings bias from That's, when Jari played for them. Yeah, but you, Jari carried the Pittsburgh Penguins like two years ago to. Yeah, like, but where was he in the playoffs? He was injured this year. Yeah, yeah. I, like, and the year before, he was the reason they lost in the playoffs. Yeah. So, like, I I'd like a proven playoff goalie, which is hard to find. Yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah. like, no, like, I I'd be interested in Jari, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'd be interested in trading Barry for Jari. And honestly, I don't know how interested Pittsburgh would be in that deal. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you gotta. Where does Barry slot for them? Well, obviously, Latang is a free agent, I believe. Yes. So yeah. I'm assuming this comment would be assuming that Latang is not re-signing with Pittsburgh and they want a power play specialist of some sort. Because that's anybody who trades for Barry, that's what they want well, in yeah. the first place. Yeah. So I could see it in that sense if they don't re-sign Latang and they're like, okay, we need somebody to play that. So, because yeah. Justin Schultz isn't there anymore, right? Or is he? I can't I, remember. I think he's in Washington. Or okay. he bounced around. I, he keeps moving, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I wouldn't hate that. I just don't think that that would be... I think the Oilers might even have to give up more. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think Barry... Like, I know I said Barry had value, but I don't yeah. think he's worth, like, a, a 1A goalie. Yeah. Like, yeah. it would be Barry in a first for Jari or something like that. Yeah. Which, not overly interested in giving up that much. Yeah. Well, a lot of interesting takes, uh, even in this room, a lot of <laughs> different different opinions. So I mean, that's the point. We yeah. want to talk about random bullshit, and that's the beauty of the offseason. Yeah. You theorycraft and throw out random trades where you're like, McDavid for Matthews, one for one, who says no? <laughs> like, that kind of shit. Like, I want a Ted Lindsay Hart Trophy winner on my team. No shit. It's like, which one am I talking about? Who knows? <laughs> Uh, well, we, uh, were two days late. We survived an ugly, uh, uh, return home from Pearson airport. We've survived a power outage in the middle of this goddamn podcast. Fuck. I um, forgot about that. <laughs> we've done pretty good. Done pretty good. Uh, we'll have to come up with some games or something. Cause we'll have a, a week off, uh, for next week's edition. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we're, There's lots of talk. We can sit here and argue about Dylan Holloway for another two hours. Do you know what I want to see What's from that? anybody listening to this? You can post something on Twitter, or you guys can DM us on Twitter. But I want to see trade speculation. Like, give me your best trade. Most okay. likely trade. Don't okay. give me any of that, like I just said, McDavid for fucking Scott Gomez's left leg or something <laughs> like that. Like, I want to see an actual reasonable trade. Something that you think is reasonable that, like I mentioned, first Pugliarvi and, like, Barry or Cassian's contracts or something for Gibson. So, like, something that seems more reasonable. But I want you to give me one that I've never thought of. Like, who's a player that we're not even thinking of? 
that you uh, think has value that you want on this well, team? Well, Sean, the thing about that is if I wasn't thinking about him, uh, I have no idea, man. We, I guess we, this we, is more okay. rhetorical, and I'm saying this to everybody who's listening. <laughs> yeah, you guys figure it out. No. Um, no, I, I think that's a great idea. We can uh, look at a lot of different... And no fucking Leon Drysidle to, to. Oh, Detroit. can we talk about that Detroit trade? That was so gross. I yeah, fucking hated go. that Detroit trade. My dad, I came home for Father's Day, and he's like, "Did you hear that he might go to Detroit?" And I was like, "There's no fucking shot in this planet that that would happen." The only way Drysidle goes to Detroit, it starts at a minimum with one of Raymond and Cider, preferably yes. Cider. Yep. Because we need defense. So, yeah, I like. Would I be okay with running McDavid, Nuge, McLeod as our centers? Maybe, but only if we have more cider on our defense to make up for that. <laughs> so, uh, lots to come. So you've got. Well, I guess we're recording this late, so you've got four days to think about it. Uh, yeah, pretty much until Sunday. Yeah. So we'll figure it out. Um, yeah, longest podcast to date. Uh, thanks for sticking in. Well, if you let us, if you let me sit here and just keep ranting about shit, I could keep going for another hour about ranting. We will shit. also sweat our balls off. So with that, <laughs> we'll, we'll chat in a couple days. Bye.